1: Good morning, Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. I'm one of the hosts here, Charlie Chuck Thompson, with me as always across the crusty pay lake of the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. Um, What's the name of the lake now? I can't remember. Percy Priest. (laughs) The Percy Priest Pine Ridge. Lake sure. that's filled with all kinds of fish. You know, there's a town at the bottom of that thing, but that's that's not for now. It's for later. Welcome, Nate, to the show. As always, <laughs> thanks for being uh, my business partner and my friend. Even in times that were down and troubled and quarantined away from each other, we still find a way to to make it work.
0: Well, thank you know, thank God for Skype. It's the only thing keeping the podcast going these days. Um, we tried so Zoom
1: too. There's Skype, Zoom. There's all kinds Skype, of stuff we've Zoom. been using. Oh.
0: All kinds of stuff. You know, it's not as cool as being in the room together, but it's better than death. So it's, you know, it's pretty cool. But if you guys have not done it yet, you should subscribe to the Good Morning Liberty podcast. We put out a new episode every single day of the week when we want to about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. That is
1: right. Lots of new listeners still, which is awesome. I mean, it's just really cool to see that audience number went up about, what would you say? Ten, about ten percent over the weekend,
0: and the last month it's up. Our audience count is up forty percent over the last month. The last month, so
1: that's awesome. Yeah. And 90, it runs
0: inverse to the stock market. We see right.
1: so far. And ninety-two yeah. percent of you are subscribed, so that's awesome. So the eight, other eight percent of you guys hit that subscribe button. We know who you are. We got all kinds of tracking devices. Former CIA. <laughs> we hired Snowden, actually.
0: He yeah, works for us he's now.
1: Good friend, good friend, <laughs> and yeah. uh, so we have all the. We know where you live, so you better subscribe. Uh, kidding, but you should subscribe still. Anyway, we have a lot to get to today. There's still, um, you know, in the middle of quarantine and stuff. There's the news hasn't changed much, and we've gone over some some pandemic economics for y'all, uh, which which is the same as regular economics. They don't really change. <laughs> it's really still we, the same economics. Yeah, is the yeah. problem. So all of that passed. Uh, we told you guys on Friday that Trump was having a signing ceremony. I don't think he ended up signing it till like five, but doesn't matter. All of that passed. Uh, we have some more, um, some more free market things to talk to you guys about amongst uh, amongst this pandemic. I tweeted out yesterday. I said, I had this whole tweet thread, but I said yesterday, if this pandemic has taught us anything at all, it's that the free market always wins and a centrally planned market always fails, and that's centrally planned anything. Um, and so we have seen some hilarious things that the FDA are doing. We also have some potential drugs that may save your life in case you get this. And uh, what else we got on? Oh, we have the the, the the State Department. This is very interesting to me that I saw over the weekend. The State Department sent a donation out at the, in the first week of February. So we got to get to what that says, uh, before we do any of that, it's time for a COVID watch update. So we are nearing a million cases. Now we first started talking about this thing a couple weeks ago. We had not even 50,000 yet. I don't think. So we're now we're nearing a million cases still way less than the flu. I'll just say that I'm not saying, don't take this seriously. Nate and I are taking this seriously. We're quarantining ourselves. My girlfriend, by the way, Nate, still had a fever yesterday. Yeah. I don't know about this morning yet because I've been working a lot. She seems to be feeling okay right now. Um, I don't know what's uh, what happened today, but that's 13 days in a row of fever, which Jeez. is crazy to me. So we'll probably have it. We can't get a test. We don't know. So we decided to self-quarantine ourselves, take it seriously. And um, we are at 771,000 coronavirus cases with 37,000 deaths. We have... 160,243 people that have recovered. So more people have recovered than died. Um, Nate, you tweeted out some some mortality rates over the weekend as well. Yeah, there's so one let me thing go that over,
0: I think well, some people should pay attention to some of these mortality rates. I mean, it, listen, uh, we're, we're very much against death. We don't really support death in any type of circumstance. No, I well, never
1: have my whole life. Yeah, I've always been against it. So it's, even when my, my grandma died, and I was against it then,
0: and <laughs> as 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 we look at everything that's in the media right now, like you, we know the storyline here. We know the narrative. We know what's got to be pushed. There's there's a couple stories that have to be pushed. One that Trump completely botched the response to this, and that basically anything bad that happens in the United States, as far as this disease goes is actually trump's fault and if we would have had hillary clinton and in, in, in power then she would have made the coronavirus kill itself and that there's no way that it would have ever gotten around to all of the people and i guarantee and so, you though
1: if hillary clinton was president all the republicans would be saying if it, trump was president we wouldn't be having this yeah. problem they would oh, go no, back and forth
0: it's it's the same political hack bias that goes back and forth that's that's one that's a very very astute observation, Charlie. That is <laughs> that is what would happen for sure. It's the and opposite the other of thing,
1: obtuse. Yeah, the,
0: the other thing, <laughs> that would be acute. Yeah. The other thing that we have to also see is that we need this narrative that our evil free market capitalist healthcare system is failing and that we don't have enough supplies, we don't have enough ventilators, we don't have enough space, and that all the other countries are doing better and that we have the most... Cases of this virus and all these things. Capitalism is terrible. Trump is terrible. Let's look at all these countries uh, that are around the world. So that's what you're supposed to kind of take into account when we're talking about this. So there's a couple of things that I wanted to, to mention, and the number one thing was the our our mor- the mortality rates for COVID. They're high, but um, if I were to name the top ten highest mortality rate countries. I would name them in this order. And then the reason I would name them in this order is because these are the top 10. So that's why I would do it. Um, so these are the mortality rates. Italy, 10.8%. Spain, 8.1%. Iran, 7.1%. Netherlands, 6.5%. France, 6.1%. UK, 5.9%. China, 4% since last month when they stopped reporting numbers. Belgium, 3.9%. Switzerland, 1.8%. US 1.7%, and now what you're supposed to take from that list is that free market capitalism kills people. Now that's that's what you're supposed to take from yeah. that list, just so you know. Now that's a obviously me, uh, you know, just being uh, a smart ass with that, that's what that is, but that's not what actually is, is the case. Like, look at all these countries. How many of them have a free market healthcare system? How are we supposed to only look at all, all nine of, these of them numbers?
1: that you mentioned above us don't? Yeah. So yeah.
0: now I'm not just saying like this is this is correlation. I'm not saying it's exactly causation. There's all types of things that go on in these other countries aside from their economic system and their healthcare system. But so while I can't look at it and say the people in Italy are dying because of socialism, I also can't look at our number and say the people in the U.S. are dying because of free market capitalism. But the problem is... You know, I'm not looking to Italy completely to say, look, they've failed. They've got a lot of other situations going on. They've they've first off really high rate of their country that actually smokes. Uh, they live, a lot of them, around their families a lot more often. They also, I mean, yeah, I was even reading, they greet each other differently. Ever seen the little Italy, the little kiss on the cheeks and stuff like that? Like, they, like, literal, completely different culture. So there are reasons that it spread faster and all that. So... I'm not trying to blame. I'm not trying to blame socialism or whoever the heck runs Italy or, you know, Boris Johnson for the UK or anything like that. Like, I'm not trying to blame these people. But also, I'm not trying to say that the free market is what has made all the people die in the United States. Like, we we have to be truthful in these narratives. So that I just wanted to bring up those those numbers and just say, like, that take this into account, like have a sense of proportion. We're doing pretty good, and more than likely, the death rate is way lower than that, yeah. because we have a lag time, because now that we're getting more tests, we're getting way more cases pop up. We also have a lag time before we figure out whether or not people are recovering or whether or not they're dying. So you you have this lag time between testing and dying. That like We don't even know if the people who are getting tested are are going to die or recover. There's all kinds of things going back and forth where so far we've seen the number go from 3.5% mortality rate down to 1.7. We've seen it at 1.4, 1.5 some point last week. Um, and this needs to be taken into account. I was reading something on Wall Street <coughs> Journal earlier that was saying that the actual death rate might be well below a percent, that it might actually be getting closer and closer to the flu's death rate. I've so seen yeah I've this seen is the important. same
1: I've seen the same things because if you look right now the United States has 159,000 reported cases. Now you can be pretty certain that the death count is pretty accurate because the people that have died from these conditions are getting tested for COVID. So 2,951 deaths you can assume that that number is pretty close to accurate. You could do plus or minus 1,000 I'd now say. Now listen to matter.
0: what Candace Owens said yesterday. What I, and I? did you see what she said?
1: No, I was just going to say the models I've seen indicates that we have 10 times the number of cases in the united states we probably have over a million they're looking at like 1 million to 1.5 million based on the models we just haven't been able to test everybody yet so if you look at that you're at a a 0.1 death rate which is like the flu
0: what she said yesterday because it goes along with what you're saying is that if you have a if if i have a heart attack today and i go in and i retroactively test positive and i was asymptomatic for coronavirus I get counted as a death for coronavirus in the list, like if I just have a heart attack today. And so that's another thing she's been saying, that there could be a lot of old people that are just dying, because that's one of the, the things that old people are best at doing
1: overall. They're pretty good at it. It's
0: about 100% success rate over enough time. Yeah. That happens. So if I make once, it
1: to be, to be old, I'll have a pretty good chance of dying then.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're probably gonna go along with everyone else, follow that trend of death. You know, that's one of the main yeah. things that, uh, that we know is going to happen. So uh, even as there, as people are dying, it, even of other things, even if they were asymptomatic of coronavirus, she says, now I have not verified that. Sometimes she says sh- some pretty crazy stuff, but she says that if you test, even if you were asymptomatic, you will get put on the list of people who died from COVID-19. So yeah, take that. That uh, is what it is. So, do
1: we want to run through some of this uh, some of this news well, first we got right was, here? Well, first I was going to get to why, you know, we can't really say that that uh, you know socialism is co- causing the deaths in Italy or something like that, or their their centrally planned healthcare. But what I want to draw attention to is why there's a difference between centrally planned healthcare, centrally planned economies versus allowing the free market to do its best work. And so I sent out a Twitter thread, which if you guys want to follow us on Twitter, um, we've become a lot more active there. It's been a lot of fun interacting with people. Um, So you guys can go to Good A.M. Liberty. That's at Good A.M. Liberty because Good Morning Liberty was too long. So Good A.M. Liberty, like A.M. Radio. Good A.M. Not radio. Good A.M. Liberty. Go there. Follow us and uh, tweet back at us. Send us some questions. DM us. You can slide into our DMs if you want to. Uh, but I had tweeted out this thread that that kind of explained what happens that if you if you centrally plan for a pandemic, you're gonna have to have millions of supplies stockpiled every day for the worst case scenario. You're gonna have to have warehouses just full of ventilators and masks and gowns and all of this stuff that has expiration dates, by the way, because fibers like what the N ninety-five masks are made out of, they're just made out of fibers and those things break down. And so if you have a pandemic every 10, 15, 20 years you can't keep that stuff stockpiled. It would be like you trying to stockpile bread in your cabinet at home. And so you to do that, you would spend all of your time and all of your money just preparing for the worst case scenario. Now, maybe some of you guys want to do that. I don't know. But I like to do other things besides just preparing for a pandemic. There are preppers out there that spend all of their time enhancing their bunkers, buying more ammo and preparing for the worst. Now, maybe if the sh- hits the fan, they will be the most prepared, possibly. But I like to do other things besides that. And that's what the free market allows you to do. Because in a free market, what happens is, is that as supply or as demand is low for pandemic things, right? Like there wasn't a high supply of N95 masks or a high demand for N95 masks before this pandemic took place. So they had a normal amount of of masks that, that healthcare providers used throughout the years. And all of a sudden you have this massive increase for demand. Now, if you try to centrally plan for that, like I said, you're going to have decaying supplies stockpiled trying to to predict when this pandemic is going to happen. And then if you do predict the pandemic, you don't even know how bad it's going to be. So do you overstock? Do you understock? If you had a room full of 10 people or even if you had a room full of a thousand people, all experts trying to make this prediction you can't ever predict it. You have no idea. You don't know what one human being's going to do. Now, when you get up to over a million people, this is a great line from Ozark, by the way, you can do some trends, you know, like 3% of people can cheat you. 1.7% of people could be the FBI. Remember that from Ozark when he was talking about <laughs> yeah. the numbers. Yeah. But however, you still can't centrally plan these types of things, which is why we always argue that the free market is better because when that demand goes up, the market can respond as we have told you guys over the last couple of weeks, all of the companies that are stepping up to the plate that are making ventilators that never that didn't make ventilators before. I read a story out of MIT that Tom Woods had shared on Twitter yesterday, where these MIT guys had come up with these makeshift ventilators uh, 10 years ago. It's part of a project. They use Ambu bags, which are the, you know, you always see on TV, those blue bags that they're, you know pumping people full of air with when they go into cardiac arrest. Well, they took those ambu bags and they hooked up some machines. Uh, they hooked up a, a computer program and some other things to it. And they made a makeshift ventilator all for $100. Now, a hundred dollars. Now ventilator costs 30 grand. They did this all for a hundred bucks worth of supplies. And now they've made those plans available for anybody to make. So you have MIT people, really smart people usually go to MIT Thomas Massey graduate of MIT. They make all kinds <laughs> of really cool things and now we could have an influx of ventilators because the demand is so high for those right now and so you see all these kind of cool things that the market's able to respond to and create that demand so i just wanted to lay that out real quick for everyone thinking which most of our listeners don't but for america out there everyone's thinking ah if we just would have had somebody centrally planning all this they could have prepared for the worst case scenario and it's like well what what about when the worst case scenario isn't happening for 10 or 15 years? What do you want to do? You want to spend all of your time just preparing for the end? Then- well,
0: and it's it's really important to see like the people who do want centrally, centrally planned everything. You would think, I mean, as many times as they've posted about how Trump has completely failed at the response to this and how the U.S. government failed at the response to this, that what they would deduce from that is that you don't want a centrally planned response to these things, that you want a, a market response where people can step up to fulfill needs that that open up in the market. You would think you would take that out of this entire situation, but you've actually taken the exact opposite, really. And what's really happened here is it's affirmed everyone's beliefs, like having a debate. Like Really, all it's done is just affirmed everyone's preconceived beliefs, which is that we need an even stronger centrally planned government. And then for us libertarians, we're like, this is absolute proof that you don't want a centrally planned response to this. Because if you're someone who's looking and you're saying, Trump failed this, the US government failed this, the CDC failed what is the thing that you can do to make sure that that doesn't happen? The thing you could do to make sure that that doesn't happen is not be relying on it to happen in the first place. Stop so you giving don't them the power. Don't give them the power. We've got millions and millions and millions of businesses out there and tons of entrepreneurs, tons of CEOs, tons of people who can put investments into markets that have a demand for them. And they will do that. If there is a little bit of profit to be made on it, a couple cents per, per can of soda, and they will do that. They will get into that market. But when you try to control it, you keep all those people from doing it. And you say, the top down, they're going to have the solution. And unfortunately, if you're on the left, all you've seen from this is that we need the right person in office. That's what we need. We just need the right person. This is a classic case of having the wrong person in control of everything. <laughs> That's what we have right here. Just yeah. a classic case of not enough control or the wrong control. I even and saw so-
1: I saw someone defending the fall of the of the Russian experiment of the USSR and the, the communist socialist state of Russia for seventy years. They said that it was the capitalist fault of why Russia failed. <laughs> Still people out there defending that. Yeah, kind well, of I stuff. mean, they I don't even know that always
0: happens. I mean, it'll be, you know, it was the it's the U.S.'s fault that Venezuela failed. You know, it's you it's the U.S.'s fault that Cuba was in the situation that, that it was in, um, which that's a little bit more partially true for Cuba. But I, I doubt they would uh, open up the free market there or anything like that. Um, but we did keep heavy heavy, heavy embargoes and sanctions on them for a long time. So when you're like, oh, look at their old cars, you're like, okay, what was their other
1: choice? Uh, what else they were they going to have? They also had nuclear <laughs> weapons pointed at us for a long time, too. Yeah, yeah, so. they did. No, I'm not,
0: I'm not saying – I'm not making excuses in either right. direction. I'm just saying uh, – Obviously, people are blaming this uh, Venezuela on that now, and they'll blame Russia's fall on that. And then, of course, um, you know, the only reason Germany got so bad was because of the Treaty of Versailles, I believe. Is that what it was? Treaty of Versailles? Well, that's what it was because they owed way too much money back. And so you can go back and you can retroactively uh, hindsight talk about how all of these governments really they just failed because of some because of the evil capitalists when Actually, if you just would have let people be free and exchange value with each other, none of those things would have ever happened in the first place. So, yes, those governments lost out to people that were trying to be free and exchange value with one another. So, I guess I guess you could say that.
1: Yeah. You so, could let's, say that. let's use the recent news and all of the things that have happened over the last couple of weeks just to highlight how the free market is better at handling all of this. And so, I want to start this out by saying – We are not medical professionals. We are healthcare professionals, but we're not medical doctors or medical professionals. We're not telling you that you should go out and buy any drugs or take any of them. I'm not advising you to do any of that. You should seek medical advice from your own physician. So I'm going to start out here by saying uh, this is from The Daily Wire. Thanks, Ben. The FDA issues emergency use authorization of Trump-touted drug to treat coronavirus. On Sunday night, the FDA issued an emergency use authorization for hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine, drugs often used to treat malaria and recently touted by President Donald Trump as a possible game-changer in the fight against the China-originated novel coronavirus <laughs> or COVID. That's
0: important. It's important
1: to have in there. Exactly. The USDA, I'm sorry, this is HHS, which is the United States Department of Health and Human Services, announced in a statement on Sunday that the FDA will allow the drugs to be donated to the Strategic National Stockpile, centrally planned stockpile there, to be distributed (laughs) and prescribed by doctors to hospitalized teen and adult patients with COVID-19 as appropriate when a clinical trial is not available or feasible. They also call this compassionate drug use. Democratic New York Governor Andrew Cuomo is on the same page as President Trump when it comes to the popular anti-malaria drugs, permitting trials of hydroxychloroquine, chloroquine and azithromycin to commence in a state, which is a, basically a that yeah. people know about. So a Z-Pack and the hydroxychloroquine or chloroquine. Now, there was a story of this woman and man who saw that their fish tank cleaner had a A form of chloroquine in it, although it was much higher dose and they ended up taking it and died, which is why I tell you, do not go out and find these drugs and take them.
0: Uh, Well, you've got to tell the story properly. The way it was reported by the media
1: was Trump kills, was
0: that Trump kills because he said that this uh, hydroxychloroquine was going to be this miracle drug and that these people, well, they noticed, well, they had some hydroxychloroquine in their cabinet, just normal, just just sitting there and they took it. And one of them died, and the other one almost died, and and that's what happened. And then, of course, you got to dig a little bit deeper to find out that what they really had was fish tank cleaner, and it had some of that in it. And so but it they was like took a different
1: the, form of it that was much yeah, more potent.
0: And also mixed with every other thing that's in fish tank cleaner. Yeah, <laughs> all those other things. Yeah. So so like they, Arson. <laughs> uh, they yeah so they they took a took a swig of that, washed it down with a nice cold Coke Zero. And, uh, and then Trump is blamed in the media for pushing this drug on people, yeah. unsafe. Um, so that, that's just the kind of bias that you run into. You know, how do you read something like this, by the way? You just read about how the FDA is going to issue emergency use authorization. And, uh, you know, HHS is, is approving that and everything. So we're going through this. And then also you talk about how we're all victims of our free market healthcare system. How do you on one hand talk about how, oh look, the FDA is going to allow for a national strategic stockpile to be distributed and prescribed by doctors of this drug that already exists? And also when we have other issues, you say, Well, that's because we have a free market healthcare system. Like, but do those both is it possible for those to both exist at the same time? No.
1: No. Well we <laughs> okay, told you just guys. Making sure. We've told everyone on this show, if you listen to this show for a long time, you already know this. If you haven't, go back and take the 217 episode challenge, and we'll give you guys a certificate after you do that. Um, but what we've told you guys for years they have we, to pass a long written yes, exam being, <laughs> to be
0: able to get their hands on that certificate.
1: Being healthcare experts, because we are healthcare ex- experts, we do understand how healthcare works, uh, being so that we develop software for healthcare companies to navigate. The ridiculous regulated market, you realize that healthcare is by far, if not the most regulated, the one of the most regulated markets that we have inside of the United States. The banking industry may be a little higher. I don't know. They kind of compete. They go back and forth. Did you say the um, baking industry? The banking? Banking. I you said not, baking. Not baking. Like, wow, that no. is. The banking
0: Okay, I got gotcha. you. That the, makes
1: more sense. The fracking, the the fractional reserve banking, yes, <laughs> all those you know regulations, every all the fake stuff that's pop propping up the market right now. And uh, anyway, they have so much regulation, you can't even come close to calling it a free market healthcare system. It would most closely resemble, actually, a fascist healthcare system. It would. Where, yeah. besides Medicare, because that's state owned, Medicare and Medicaid. However, the rest of the market is private that uh, that ends up being controlled still by government, which would be a fascist system.
0: But so Medicare a, doesn't have its own hospitals and everything. So it is still using. Well, you do the have state-owned system system state
1: hospitals, though, that accept Medicare. So that's completely yeah. government run, let's say. But they so operate for they,
0: the state-owned hospitals. Yes. Yeah, I guess, but, but they but still operate other, on the
1: same principles, whereas Medicare and Medicaid set the standard for the rest of the market. So it doesn't, even, it doesn't even matter whether it's a state-owned hospital or not. They're still following the same exact guidelines because you have the Joint Commission and you have the FDA and then you have the Health and Human Services, and then you have all of the regulations on how you can bill people and accept payments and do all of this stuff. It's absolutely unbelievable when you start to dive into it. I can tell you that I probably know about 10% of the regulations, and I've been doing this for eight years now, almost nine. And I know about ten percent, if that. That's how much there is. Just and I know a others. lot. People and he pay me reads l-
0: hundred pages a day in the regulation book. <laughs> yeah,
1: people pay yeah. me a lot of money for what I know, and I only know ten percent. So what you're saying is, I could make more money if I knew more. Probably it sounds but.
0: like you could up really up your game on this. <laughs> I know, actually,
1: but it, yeah, I say all that to say that it is one of the most regulated markets that we have. So we don't have one, and you can notice right here that the FDA is all of a sudden, and they're doing this left and right. I mean, the government is slashing regulations left and right to allow these companies to come in and meet the market demand because guess what happens when you have a pandemic and demand shoots up? Well, you need the market to respond to that. Then the only way to do that is to get the government out of the damn way, which is what we talk about doing all the time. And hopefully after this crisis, they'll realize maybe we shouldn't have our fingers in all of this. But at the, then at the same time, they're using this crisis to put their fingers in other things. So we're just going to have more <laughs> of the same, but it's just the, the I mean, the proof is in the puddings here. It is. is all I can it is. say. Let's, uh, what, was name of, what was the name of the, the pugs on the campaign?
0: Uh, oh, was it? Um, was pudding crap. one of them? <laughs> I don't know. I'll think on it. Dang it.
1: Proof's in um, the pudding. I got puddings right here. And he's. This is what he says to me, and I just love him. I can't get rid of. I can't get rid of puddings here.
0: Man, man, see. FDA greenlights COVID nineteen point of care tests. All right, so this is from Yahoo Finance. Weird. Are you saying the
1: FDA is approved they're slashing stuff again now or what? It's
0: yet again. Yes, one more thing. The US Food and Drug Administration approved the emergency use for portable fast swab tests for the coronavirus
1: Friday, which can provide results in less than 15 minutes. Now, contrast that to 3 to 5 days was the original test. Mm, 3 to 5 deal. days. That's yeah. because they were only allowing them to come to the CDC labs. So yeah. now, now that they've opened it up, to all of these private labs. Now we can get the results in 15 minutes. I wonder who came up. Do you think the FDA came up with this test or the CDC came up with this test that happens in 15 minutes?
0: No, this is the ID now from Abbott, which uh, stock ticker is ABT. If oh, you guys look at that. that. A is private
1: f- company did that. It, hmm.
0: Isn't that weird? Weird. It's the first approved portable test and allows for an existing testing instrument used in 18,000 locations around the U.S. to be used at point of care in doctor's offices, urgent cares, and hospitals. This same instrument is already used for flu and strep swabs. So this is a new swab, I believe, that they're going to be using for the same uh testing. Well, whatever not a new swab. Unit, it's the same right?
1: swab they use. Okay. Now they're allowed to use it for COVID to use it for this.
0: Yeah. Now, how do you, I, you know, I don't, I don't know anything about reprogramming that thing to put in, you know, what's your COVID parameters you got to put in there, man. How do they even test for that thing?
1: I don't know. the. I don't even the, know the parts per cotton of millions um, <laughs> per stick of swab and how many micro yeah. atoms are involved in that. Yeah. swing state i really don't want, you know the thing
0: <laughs> this same instrument is already used for flu and strep swabs it also has the potential to be used at drive through uh tests according to company officials so go through that. grab grab a mcdouble get a covid test it's no almost problem. like it, the,
1: it's almost like the taekwondo you know get there <laughs> get your ass beat in a brass knuckle blizzard <laughs> And get your Norman test.
0: (laughs) Norman Moore, Abbott's director of infectious diseases and scientific affairs, told Yahoo Finance that the device can also be used in parking lot testing facilities currently being used by urgent care facilities. The device weighs 6.6 pounds and tests a swab taken from the nose or throat using a cartridge made by Abbott. The time for a positive result is five minutes and a negative result will return in 13 minutes. So
1: no news is good news here. <laughs> no news is good news, exactly.
0: <laughs> Abbott will be able to provide 50,000 tests by April 1st and will be able to provide 1 million per month
1: of this test. How about that? Now we'll know. How about that? You'll see the mortality rate go way down. Maurice, thank you for that. It's cupcake and muffins. Nice. Cupcake <laughs> and muffins. I love muffins. That's good. It's so good. Uh, there's just more proof here. Uh, I don't know how much proof you guys need, but we're going to go through all of it. <laughs> it's just more proof and- that we already had the swabs. We already had them. They exist at 18,000 locations around the U.S. And now all of a sudden the FDA is like, oh, sure. Yeah, sure. We'll go ahead and stamp that. It's the same argument I made about the N95 masks. You realize Home Depot used to. Now they're gone now. Home Depot and Lowe's had cases of n95 masks they were just industrial ones they didn't pay the extra money to get them stamped for medical they were the wrong color yeah 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 that was it they were one microbe off i guess (laughs) and so (laughs) they let in one extra hair but that's it but uh now they're all gone obviously because they they've somehow been approved for medical use overnight who knows how that happened weird how about that all right (laughs) next up we talked about the well, do you have anything else to say about our proof here?
0: Well, uh, there's there's I think there's plenty of proof that it, it's not as if new things are just being uh, magically invented right now. Now, there are all there are people working on new vaccines. I actually saw something from uh, Johnson and Johnson is working on a vaccine right now. They say it's very promising. Uh, so so that's cool. But of course, I mean, it, it's just going to take a long time. This time that we've taken so far has not been for new things to be invented. It's been for current things to go through the government approval process so they can be used for this. That's what you've been waiting on so far. And remember, so, wasted
1: time is wasted money and value.
0: Yeah, like, and lives, the only
1: And lives, yes, because the only non-renewable resource you have in this life is time. That's it. Yeah, It's the only thing you can't ever get back until nate and i figure out that time traveling machine we've been working on that for about 15 years now right nate yeah we're getting close we'll get
0: that time back
1: yeah we're getting close because we want to be able to renew our resources i'm actually going to skip down here nate to the next one because i wanted to tell people now this is coming from state.gov this isn't no fox news or or whatever it's it's not some blog or anything like that this is from the state.gov i just want to give you guys more proof about what happens when things are centrally planned and what happens to our stockpile whenever you don't have a a, a a free, a private industry that understands more than 24 hours in advance? <laughs> so back in uh, February 7th, Secretary of State Pompeo released a statement, a press statement. So the United States announces assistance to combat the novel coronavirus. So this was way back when now. Almost two months ago this week, the state department has facilitated the transportation of nearly 17.8 tons of donated medical supplies to the Chinese people, including masks, gowns, gauze, respirators, and other vital materials. These donations are a testament to the generosity of the American people. Now, yes, the American people are very generous. But this is your government that had this stuff stockpiled. It was donated medical supplies. They went ahead and shipped it to China. And now we're having what they perceive as potential shortages in the United States. I wonder if China's given any of this back to us. Whereas I think if private companies were allowed to respond to this and they had some stockpile of stuff, they would have been like, oh, well, we had our first case. If, if this is what the numbers are looking like in China, we had our first case reported on January 20th. And it's February 7th. Maybe we won't send 17 tons over. Maybe we'll just do like one or two tons <laughs> instead of 17 tons. Yeah. So it says today the United States government is announcing as it is prepared to spend up a hundred uh, spend up to a hundred million dollars in existing funds to assist China and other impacted countries. Now, why in the world? One of Rand Paul's arguments for the first stimulus package that was that was passed was $8 billion. Rand Paul argued. Why do we have to create new money? We can send 100 million of existing funds to China. Why could not we find 8 billion of existing funds for our first stimulus package here? You know, why couldn't we find, you know, what still hasn't been funded? You know, and, and this was one of Massey's arguments is we haven't funded any money towards getting everyone tested. And Massey was like, why did we send 25 million to the Kennedy Center instead of sending 25 million to test kits to make sure we get everybody tested? Why couldn't we find $100 million of existing funds to make sure everyone could get tested so we really understood the numbers and the private market could really predict how many cases we're actually going to have? Maybe they would start building a hospital right now. Maybe HCA would get their certificate of need for that extra building they were trying to build 10 years ago. You (laughs) you know, oh, there's no need for it. Well, now there is. There definitely is a need now. Anyway, this commitment, along with the hundreds of millions generously donated by the American private sector, demonstrates strong U.S. leadership in response to the outbreak. Only clearly we have failed. (laughs) This assistance only adds to what the United States has done to strengthen health security programs around the world. So, look, it's you know, we are saying it's not that Trump himself has failed, has failed. Anybody that was in government at this time would have failed. And the reason why is because it anytime you try to centrally plan something you're going to fail there are always going to be unknowns this is it doesn't matter anybody any of you who work in the corporate world understand this anytime you take on a project i don't care if you're building a new building if you're building a new software if you're enhancing something if you're building a house what happens nate when you're doing a project or something or or building or responding to something what is the list of things that take up the most amount of your time?
0: The things that take up the most amount of your time? Yeah. Think um, about the last well, house you
1: worked on. What hap- What gave you a two week delay? Permits. Not what? Something else. <laughs> um, something I don't know. Flood? Last, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. A lot of things go wrong and now, you don't know that. That's there happen. we go.
1: It's the list of <laughs> unknowns that you can't predict.
0: <laughs> and then you can't even properly respond to them. If you've got a list of, ways you can only respond to things right. or, to, or go to prison
1: exactly <laughs> so, so that's so like that's, that's your, what i'm trying to that's your problem exactly so you have this list of unknowns and then if you're only allowed to respond to the unknowns in a certain fashion rather like when that when the house flooded on you nate right yeah you were able to do the things that you knew were necessary right then to take care of that problem and it only cost you two weeks whereas Imagine if you had to go to the office, the government office downtown, get a permit to make sure you could remove the flood water, (laughs) have somebody come out and inspect it like all of this stuff. Imagine if you had to do all of that, all because of this unknown problem. Now you're looking months down the road before you can ever get it done. The same type of thing happens in large corporations, by the way, like you're you're working on the software project and you're developing it. Something goes wrong. Then you have to get. Uh, the vice president approval, and he's got to get the CEO approval and the COO approval. And the, all these people are busy in their meetings all day long. And two weeks later, you're like, yeah, we can't move forward. Cause we don't have the approval. Even though once you're finally able to talk to the guy, he's like, well, yeah, I would have approved this two weeks ago. Why didn't you tell me about it? It's like, well, you were, you know, in Haiti doing all kinds of meetings and we couldn't get a hold of you. And we, we, we needed your, this is the problem that happens that things get bogged down by red tape. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that, that, um, you know, through, The red tape and everything else, we basically took our centrally planned stockpile, shipped it overseas to China. And uh, because of the trade deal, there was probably an embargo and tariff on that. Returning the supply, China probably wiped out, I don't know, about $100 billion in debt for us sending that stuff over. So they're like, yeah, we're not going to send any back.
0: This is exactly the uh, next story we have to go into uh, from Bloomberg. Maker of Purell hand sanitizer denied in request for Trump tariff relief from oh. Bloomberg. Uh, with U.S. now surpassing all other countries in a number of coronavirus cases and health experts estimating the peak may still be weeks away. President Donald Trump's administration is having a harder time defending tariffs on health related goods imported from China. That's especially true for products used in the U.S. response to the pandemic that are in high demand but running short on supply, such as ventilators, surgical masks, and hand sanitizers. Gojo Industries, the inventor and manufacturer of Purell-branded products, builds its hand sanitizer and soap dispensers in the U.S., but a key input that ensures the dispensers work is made in China and Mm. subject to a 25% tariff, duty. They call it a duty. You know what else they call duty? <laughs> in a tariff exemption request last year, Akron, Ohio-based Gojo said it's exploring third-country sourcing, but added that unilaterally moving production would require reverse engineering of a key chip that's manufactured by a Canadian company in China. Such action would violate their intellectual property, and Gojo does not control the ability to move that production. So just so you know, when they say like a third-country sourcing, what they do is they'll still do it in China – and then what they'll do is they'll ship it to another company that's owned in a country where we don't have tariffs. And then they'll ship it to that company in that country. And then we'll buy it from the company that they've shelled and located in that country.
1: Beautiful, I And that way it's that. all
0: better for you guys. So that's the way they do that. The U.S. trade representative denied Gojo's request earlier this month, saying the company failed to show that the duties would cause severe economic harm to you or other U.S. interests. Oh, really? According (laughs) according to USTR general counsel Joseph Barloon's letter on March 5th. Three three weeks later, USTR issued exemptions for Apple Watches and a range of other products that have no apparent link to (laughs) COVID-19.
1: Gojo didn't donate enough money.
0: Gojo couldn't, so this is couldn't where, get their stuff done for hand sanitizer, but they did go ahead and remove the tariff for Apple watches. So yeah, make sure you, get you can those. watch your heart rate go
1: down to nothing. There
0: you go. <laughs> you, Problem solved.
1: You can still see as it goes yeah, down.
0: Breathe. Use the breathe but, thing on there. You this is
1: where that. this is where I do agree. You know, we had this whole battle with libertarians last week about you know economics and understanding production over consumption and understanding all that. I do agree that there is crony capitalism. There's crony businesses out there who do get better deals, and the the government does pick winners and losers on the production side of things. And here's a great example where this is why we believe in zero taxes and zero regulations and, and zero bailouts and zero subsidies so that it is an even playing field for everybody involved. But you can't get mad I, I, like I can't get mad at Apple for accomplishing the goal and, and Gojo not. I'm mad at the government for not giving Gojo the same thing that they gave Apple. They, they yeah. should get every, they should give everybody there should be no tariffs on anything. And that and that's the the true free market response to all of that, which would allow us. It's just so crazy to me that we are in the middle of a pandemic and a hand sanitizer manufacturer would get denied. A 25% tariff that's placed on them. I mean, yeah. What a free market. What Just blame the it's free so market. Free. It's obviously
0: the problems are the free market. Really? Yeah, I mean, that that, is I don't see problem how
1: you could here. think that. Oh. So, um, so one more thing
0: here. Uh, did you see this thing from Rhode Island's governor announcing that the National Guard is going to go door to door to make sure that there aren't any New Yorkers staying in Rhode Island? I actually did see that, but yeah. I didn't okay, get so a chance to read it. So. From Time Magazine. Rhode Island Governor Gina Raimondo announced during a press conference on Friday that the state would take drastic steps to pinpoint individuals who had recently traveled to New York in an attempt to stem the spread of COVID nineteen, the disease caused by the novel coronavirus. How are they gonna know whether or not you recently traveled to New yeah. York? Like what's the process on that? You know,
1: I did right. see something crazy. Listen to this. On Twitter, there's this company called X Mobile, I believe. And what they have done is they've basically taken the data points of cell phones. Now they're anonymous, they say. However, I don't know how they tap, tapped into the database. But anyway, they were able to get pinging signals from cell phones. And what they did is they took the just the one Fort Lauderdale beach where all the kids were a couple of weeks ago for spring break. I saw that. And then they tracked yeah. their phones as they traveled out. And then they tracked all the people they came in, all the cell phones they came in contact with. You know, during that time and then they spread it out and it went from like, I don't know, I think it was like 500 or 800 kids out to like 80,000 people in a lot of them in Atlanta, New York, some in Nashville, Chicago was another big one. Um, So maybe that's how they're doing it here. Maybe that's how they're they're going door to door. They're using that X mobile.
0: (laughs) Right now we have a pinpointed risk that we need to address and we need to be very serious. And that risk is called New York City. She said, over the past week, New York has become the epicenter of the coronavirus crisis in the United States. As of Saturday afternoon Eastern time, New York had at least 52,318 confirmed cases. They now have like 68,000. Yeah. According to a tracker by Johns Hopkins University, uh, that's nearly half of the at least 115,547 cases in the entire United States. In comparison, Rhode Island currently has at least 203 confirmed cases. Okay, well, don't be an idiot, Miss Governor. What's your population of Rhode Island? Come on. Right. I it's mean, 204. Just, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. They're trying to save the one.
0: <laughs> Ra- Raimondo has previously issued an order enforced by law that anyone coming to Rhode Island in any way from New York must be quarantined for two weeks. If you come from New York and Rhode Island, you must be quarantined for two weeks. That could be in a hotel. That could be in a rental property. That could be in your own summer home or jail if you refuse to stay in one of those places, cage, by the way. Just to go ahead and finish out that sentence. Yeah. She announced that starting on Friday afternoon, state police will monitor highways and pull over anyone with New York plates to ask them for their contact information. Oh, officials another will stop order, and
1: frisk. Officials will order
0: you into quarantine if you plan to stay in Rhode Island. Man, Raimondo also announced that starting Saturday, the National Guard will work with local law enforcement to go door to door in the state's coastal communities, asking if anyone has come from New York and requesting their contact information. She said officials will order any individuals who have come from New York to quarantine for 14 days. Obviously, we'll be doing our best to target those homes where we know people are likely to have come from New York, she
1: said. They already have homes where they know people. Yeah, are likely to come from New York. That's That's, crazy.
0: Yeah, they're going to be targeting homes where they know people are likely to be coming from there. So, What if somebody
1: visits a New Yorker who's quarantined, but they're a Rhode Islander, and then they go back out?
0: So just like, what's the process here? National Guard, police officer comes, knocks on your door. You open the door. They say, hey, let me see your contact information. And you say, "Um, let me see the Constitution. And then uh, they say, I'm going to force you to stay here if you don't show me your contact information. And I'm like, dude, I was already here before you got here. So just leave me alone. And then they go on to the next house. Like, is that what that what's actually going to happen? Or, uh, I mean, what are they going to do if they find out that you've been from New York? They post officers outside your house. I mean, what the, the national guard sets up a, sets up a fence out there. I mean, what, what happens? What is the what's the process for actually enforcing this? Straight I
1: martial law, man. Straight up martial law. Yeah,
0: that's that's what this is. It's, it gu- is
1: about to see guns ablazing up there. I know, I know. So this it's is pretty where the, crazy. Like the boondoggle
0: starts. I mean, they can't just knock on your door and forcefully what ask to see your contact info and where you've been or where you're from or anything like that. I mean, yeah, they'll have to get
1: you can't even some get type. pulled over without probable cause. Like I know. It's, I guess the whole, you posted something the other day and we've used this before, like, you know, the, the constitution, unless there's a super duper emergency, yeah, none of this applies. Yeah. It, it's like, you're still free to do what you want. Now I, we talked about it before. I think you have a responsibility uh, to yourself and, mm-hmm. and you are responsible if you knowingly infect somebody else. Um, so you should self quarantine if you think that you are sick um, Marisha
0: said, "Same thing is happening in Texas for anyone who's coming from Louisiana." Oh yeah, because New Orleans yeah. is a hotbed right now. Yeah, they've been wanting to do that for a while.
1: <laughs> so, want to get them Cajuns out of there, man. Yeah, Charlie's what from Louisiana, so yeah, we can give them a hard time. How about we this sure Kennedy can. Center
0: thing, real quick, man?
1: Well, so you guys know, as we said, the stimulus package was passed on a voice vote. By the way. Thomas Massey tried to stop that. They did have a quorum, though. Yeah, he he did force a quorum because they were going to do it from home, and he's like, no, 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 no. If truck drivers can work, and and all these, we're asking grocery store baggers to still bag groceries, then you rich congressmen and women can show up to work, too. So he did force a quorum. However, they got a voice vote through this. Um, I believe Amash and, and, and Massey both tried to say no, but... It somehow didn't get counted. Who knows? Anyway, it's passed in the Kennedy Center. By the way, this is uh, very important for them to receive money, of (laughs) course, because they're struggling, uh, struggling arts, and it's part of the, you know, it has a major impact. COVID has a major impact on this. Now, they did cancel all their shows, and we're former musicians, and so, understandably, but uh, they're not really essential at this time, I wouldn't say, but this coming from the Washington Post. After $25 million stimulus package, stunned NSO players receive one week notice from the Kennedy Center. Hours after President Trump signed a stimulus bill that included $25 million for the Kennedy Center, its president, Deborah Reuter, told the National Symphony Orchestra that paychecks would end this week. The Kennedy Center. a The Kennedy Center, a performing arts center and memorial for President John F. Kennedy, canceled performances from March 12th to May 10th as government officials restrict large gatherings to combat the spread of the novel coronavirus. In a conference call Friday night, I wonder why they didn't do it Friday morning. Hmm. Reuter told orchestra leaders that the 96 musicians would receive their last paycheck on April 3rd and that they will not be paid until the arts center reopens. In addition, she said their health care benefits would stop at the end of the at the end of May if the arts center is still closed at that time. The announcement was characterized by several NSO members as a shock. I would say that's a shock. Ed, Ed Malaga, president of local one six one seven ten of the American Federation of Musicians, which is a union that these people are part of, described the decision as outrageous and said the union has filed a grievance challenging what it believes is an illegal action. This decision from an organization with an endowment of nearly $100 million is not only outrageous. Coming after the musicians had expressed their willingness to discuss ways to accommodate the Kennedy Center during this challenging time, it is also blatantly illegal under the party's collective bargaining agreement. So They got an old CBA with that union. Mm. That agreement specifically requires that the center provide six weeks notice before it can stop paying musicians for economic reasons, Malaga said in a statement. The Union's grievance letter was sent to Carrie Gitzling, the NSO's executive director, and argues, while the Union understands that the Kennedy Center has decided to cancel all performances through may tenth, twenty twenty because of the COVID nineteen pandemic, those cancellations do not give the association any contractual basis for failing to comply with its collective bargaining agreement now feel bad for the musicians here obviously we don't i'm against poverty i'm against people not being paid (laughs) i'm against all of that but not only did they announce this just hours after president trump signed they got their 25 million dollars and then all of a sudden like ah yeah we're just not going to pay the musicians here and uh we don't even care what the cba says now i read in another article that they the cba has only been in effect for four months and so right away they they got a new cba and they were like yeah screw you screw it screw off we're not gonna pay you yeah. we don't care and um
0: so, so yeah the uh, you know i don't really i know they have a collective bargaining agreement they're all in a union all that stuff like i don't really care about that stuff because i'm not big in the unions anyway um well no you could say a
1: contract then I mean, it is
0: a contract and and that's fine Um, no one's going to the Kennedy center. They're probably not taking in any money other than this. And if the people, that's the problem with unions is that this contract could be forcing people to get paid money that doesn't exist. So that's kind of, kind of an issue that you have to look at. Uh, so this happens and then they get the 25 million. Now the problem is like once they get the 25 million, why the heck do they, announced that they're not going to be paying anyone and what are they going to do with that money that's what i want to know like how do you get to 25 million and you're like oh yeah by the way everyone's out through may well they just went through a
1: 250 million dollar renovation last year oh okay yeah
0: so they need to pay some bills from that i guess
1: but they do have i believe i read they have net assets of like 400 million and even in this article it said that um net assets
0: doesn't mean money in the bank though that could mean that that's true their stuff is worth. They have money. an
1: endowment of nearly it could 100 just be a couple million. French horns. It says from an organization with an endowment of nearly one hundred million dollars. Yeah. So it seems like they have about a hundred million to spare right now. They've got some
0: some money. So it's just it's shady. It's terrible. The more frustrating part I see about it is where is the where's the outrage? Where's the outrage from the people that are outraged that? that United Airlines stated that the money they're getting will only hold over their employees through September 30th. They said, we're going to pay everyone through September 30th, and that's all we can promise from this bailout. But then this one organization with probably, I don't know how many total employees they have, probably drastically different from United Airlines, uh, I, I would say, this one organization gets $25 million and they immediately fire all the people. And it what was I want to know is 96 musicians,
1: 96 musicians. Yes. Now
0: I'm sure they've got all kinds of other people who work at the Kennedy center. So that that's, that's not as if they just cleaned out the entire place. Right. But where is the, where's the outrage that you would see if this were flip flopped and it wasn't some kind of center for the performing arts that was doing this and like a, a Nancy Pelosi pet project for making sure it was in there, you know, where Where's the outrage you would see? That's the problem. It's there isn't any because there aren't any principles. There's only there's only bias. There's only political hackery. That's that's really all there is.
1: And I can read you this from Business Insider. Airline employees are safe from being laid off for now. But United warns that job cuts may be on the horizon if the coronavirus pandemic rages on for as long as expected. So workers at U.S. airlines are safe from furloughs or layoffs through at least September 2020 after Congress agreed to $29 billion in payroll grants to airlines as part of the $2 trillion stimulus package that President Donald Trump signed on Friday. However, United Airlines says that after that, it's likely that jobs will end up being cut. In a candid letter to employees and seen by Business Insider, United CEO Oscar Munoz And President Scott Kirby warned that, depending on how the COVID-19 pandemic progresses, it's likely that travel demand will not recover for some time. And based on how doctors expect the virus to spread and how economists expect the global economy to react, we expect demand to remain suppressed for months after that, possibly into next year. They're looking at 2021, they said. Quote, we will continue to plan for the worst and hope for a faster recovery, but no matter what happens, taking care of each one of our people will remain a number one priority. Quote, that means being honest, fair, and upfront with you. They added, if the recovery is slow, as we fear, we, it means our airline will and our workforce will have to be smaller than it is today. Under the terms of the payroll grants and operational loans in the stimulus package, airlines accepting aid are prohibited from involuntary furloughs or layoffs through September 30th, 2020. The speed and scope of the pandemic's impact on the global economy and aviation market has been virtually unprecedented, with demand drops and capacity cuts outstripping the weeks after the terrorist attacks of September 11th, 2001, and the worst of the 2008-2009 global financial crisis. U.S. airlines have slashed capacity across domestic and international networks and grounded significant portions of their fleets as Borders have been closed, travel bans have been implemented, and social distancing guidelines have been pressed with more urgency, including lockdowns in some parts of the U.S. United has reduced its schedule by more than 60% in April and expects planes uh, that continue to fly to be mostly empty. So, uh, I'll just finish it out here. During a press briefing on Friday, a senior United official said that the stimulus package bought the airline some time and breathing room and would allow it to plan its next steps for deliberately... Uh, and to develop uh, more deliberately and to develop contingency plans for various outcomes. So what United is doing here, and what I like what they said, is like, look, we're just being honest, fair, and upfront with you. We're just telling you like, hey, this has bought us some breathing room, but we're trying to stay in business after this goes out. Like we're not trying to lose the airline here. And we're hoping that if we can hold out Um, until next year when we can start actually flying again, all you guys can get your jobs back because we're still being an airline. If we're not an airline anymore, then everyone loses their job. So,
0: yeah, it's pretty clear and pretty, uh, basic. I I just say common sense what that person said in that email. Um, if demand is a lot low, if a lot less people are flying, then we are going to need a smaller workforce than we needed when everyone was flying like they normally were so that that's just you can't really argue with that if if half as many people are taking flights and there are half as many flights you're not going to need the same amount of employees that just is what it is and people are going to have to adjust for that they're gonna have to plan ahead they've got warning they've got fair warning here that if this doesn't turn around you're first off uh, start saving up some of your money and start adjusting for uh, either a new job or for having a lower income for a while or no income for a little bit. Right, you have
1: six months right now. It's, it's March months. 30th. Yeah. September 30th, you're going to get paid until September September 30th, no matter what. Whether you're actually working, working or not, you're going to get paid. So you have six months. I mean, I feel like that's pretty fair amount of timing. And the, and the, yeah. and the airline's trying to say, like, look, we're trying not to go under. Which Nate appreciates, considering he's holding some United stock right now. I think, right?
0: Uh, I dumped it on Friday oh, okay. so I could buy some more. Because you um, thought they were
1: laying off their workers, and now uh, you are like, ah, yeah, you know, they're still getting rid of everybody, so they're going to be no. Nah,
0: I, I just saw more growth opportunity <laughs> in Norwegian Cruise Lines and this uh, and some of the energy, the oil sector, because the oil sector is destroyed right God. now. So, yeah, been looking at that. Yeah, I mean it's just kind of common sense and this is the crappy part that people aren't paying attention to. That's 29 billion that went for payroll grants is what's in that bailout. Now, what people will call that is a bailout for the rich. Yeah. It's a bailout for the big corporations. 29 billion of the money that went is for payroll grants for people to float their payroll so people keep getting their paychecks money that still goes to people so they can remain employed from these companies and that can be spun as just a big payout for the big companies
1: well nate that's that's just just corporate welfare i know i hate i know i just hate corporations it's so it's
0: all welfare i hate all of it don't take any of my money uh too late for that Don't borrow any more money in my name and give it to anyone right now. How about that? Yeah. I didn't approve the loan.
1: (laughs) My name's not on it. it. I didn't sign. My signature's not there. Somebody get a signature expert.
0: (laughs) I did not approve the loan. One more. Can I just show you this amazing aspect of what was best known as Trump derangement syndrome? Yes. Because listen, we're not the massive fans of Trump. We support him when he does something we like. We talk... Uh, about it when he does something that we don't like, we generally don't like the power of the executive branch or the or the u s. government or terrorists, uh, okay? And any of that stuff or against death or against poverty, all of these things. So, anyway, you could still feel that way and also not be an idiot. So <laughs> here is Joe Walsh, not the guitar player from the Eagles, but Joe Walsh, who was running in the primary against Trump. The same Joe Walsh who said, that as he was running for a Republican in the primary, that if even if Bernie Sanders won the primary for the Democrats, not only would he donate to Bernie Sanders, he would campaign for Bernie Sanders to try and beat Trump. That's that's who this guy is. He's so principled in his love of a true freedom, conservative, of true conservatism and freedom and liberty, that he would support a devout communist to get rid of Donald Trump. And so we, you have to be mindful of just how stupid that is. And you can hate Trump and both think that this guy's an idiot. So here's this guy's tweet. I'll I'll uh, edit it for you. F Trump, 30 to 40 minutes into this stupid briefing and not one effing word from him about all the Americans who are sick and dying. Not one effing word. He doesn't give an F about the Americans who've been killed by this virus. Every effing word about is about him. F. Trump. At, from at Walsh Freedom.
1: It should have been whom have.
0: <laughs> so, okay. So he was upset that uh, Trump was giving a briefing and he had gone 30, 40 minutes and not one word about all the Americans who were sick and dying. Now, what that immediately triggered in my head was any time Trump has ever talked, there have been about this many people sick and dying from something. Like it's, it's actually, it's always around the same. There's barely more people sick and dying than any other time Trump has ever stepped to a, up to a microphone in his entire presidency to speak. <laughs> it's just that you care about these. Yeah. That That's really, that's really all it is. Um, if, if every time Trump, uh, when he got up to a microphone needed to Make uh, some kind of speech about people that were sick and died. I mean, it would need to be every speech forever. Yeah, he should say because
1: some Hail Marys before. He should. We, we've it's already had Hail Mary had, full of grace. God is with the, <laughs> the sword. We've already had almost 50,000
0: people die from the flu. I mean, why isn't Trump getting up and talking about the tens of thousands of people that are dying from the flu at every single speech? Are you telling me that, that in 2019, Trump got up to give a speech? And he didn't talk about the 10,000 Americans that had died from the flu before that.
1: Or the 40,000 Americans that died from car wrecks. Yeah, or (laughs)
0: anything like that. Like
1: The 500,000 people that die every single year from from heart disease.
0: I I have not looked at it, but if you were to draw on a line chart the amount of people daily that are sick and dying from diseases, you probably would not even be able to pick this year – out of the chart and say this was coronavirus. It probably looks like all of the other years. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not saying that that's, that that's not a bad thing, but uh, how many people have we had die in the U.S. now? I can't remember the actual number. Uh, I know that I hear the case. I'll pull it up for you.
1: 2,951. 2,951.
0: What's the first date that we had? January 20th? Yes. So January 20th, we've had, let's see, 1, 2... Uh, we've had, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 9 10, 11, 11 weeks. So we got 77 days. And what was the number? 2,933. Okay. So that's 38 people a day. And that's terrible. Well, I, like I said, I'm against death. I'm super against it. I don't support it in, in, in any circumstance to tell you the truth.
1: But Nate, uh, are you against death? I'm really against it. Okay. I don't like it. Just wanted to make sure you had a firm stance on that. But
0: if you're supposed – I I can be against that and also not think that if you were to look at the numbers, that you would even be able to pick these numbers out of a lineup and say that this is when coronavirus was happening. Not only that,
1: but I've watched some of his press briefings where he does say, like – you know, we need to pray for all the people affected. We need to pray for, you know, and think about all the people that are dying or or sick from this disease. Like he's even said those things in his press briefings. Yeah. So like Walsh is picking out a 30 to 40 minute segment of one briefing that he watched and yeah. just saying, ah, F this guy, F him. I
0: mean, Walsh is obviously insane. I mean, he's, he, this is a guy that's so much for freedom. By the way, the word freedom is in his Twitter handle at Walsh freedom. And that he would actually support socialist Bernie Sanders being the president and say that that would be better than Trump being president. Now, I can both disagree with Trump and his presidency and be clear and concise in the fact that in knowing that Bernie Sanders would obviously not be better than what we have with Donald Trump. But if I had so much irrational, childish hatred for Trump, then I would I would tweet something like what? Walsh did right there. Um, that's just that's what you would see. Drop drop one, two, three, four, five, six F bombs about Trump simply because he didn't mention all the people that were sick and dying. All he did was sign the most expensive piece of legislation in world history. That's all that's all he did, really. That that's it. Yeah. But anyway, I didn't say just one word. Listen, rule of the day, don't be an idiot. That's,
1: <laughs> that's really a good rule. It.
0: Don't be an idiot. Uh, Don't be a political hack. Don't uh, only speak from your emotions. um, And don't trade against the trend. And that's really all the things that you need to know for the day.
1: Well, Nate, what do you even know about trends?
0: (laughs) Well, Charlie, let me tell you. Let me tell Tell you. Where is the market right now, by the way? I haven't looked at it. So listen, we're doing uh, – I it's
1: up 3.5%, somewhere around there.
0: We got this trading class going on right now. You can go to mastermytrades.com. It's the Liberty Trading Academy. And so what we're doing, now listen, I've been trading for several years now. Been, Man, I've been staring at charts like every single day since I was a little kid. No, that's not the truth, but it's been several years now. And I've developed several strategies, three main strategies, and some really good fundamental ideas for how to pick out nice bounce levels in the market, uh, good trend reversals, all kinds of things like that so you can actually learn what's going on in the market. All right, You can actually pick out points where maybe it's a good time to buy, maybe it's a good time to sell. You can look at that by knowing what you're looking at on a chart, by knowing what is on a stock chart, what a candlestick chart is, what support and resistance is, how to draw a trend line, all these things. Then you can actually make uh, not really predictions, but you can take actions when a situation presents itself. That's how I like to look. I don't like to say I know what it's going to do. I say if this happens, then I will do this. And so I, I will use all these things to make my decisions. So if you guys are interested in learning how to day trade, how to swing trade, how to long-term trade, any of that stuff, you can use the same rules, the same principles to to study any time frame on a chart. So if you guys are interested in doing this, you can go to mastermytrades.com. You got a couple days to get that seven day free trial that we have going for March. At the end of March, there won't be a seven day free trial on there until we decide to put it back on there. And it might be never. OK, you got two days and then it's never going to ever happen again. So that's we saw it.
1: several of you sign up over the weekend to get in on yeah. that seven day free trial. So kudos to you.
0: Yeah, I want to make sure and you
1: you have until tomorrow at midnight. That's that's not a long time. So we're starting
0: from the very basics. Like literally, you've never looked at a chart before. We're gonna review a couple charting systems. We're gonna go over the very basics of a chart, and then we're gonna keep building one little bit of a time, just like you're like you're if you've ever been a musician, like you're learning a piece of music, uh, like you're learning a new skill, because that's what you're doing. We're gonna start from the very basic, the very basics, and then we're gonna build a strong foundation and learn how to move forward from there. So that's what we're doing uh, every single week on mastermytrades.com. Go check it out.
1: Yeah. Uh, if you want to interact with us like Maurice does every single day and a few others, then you can go to patreon.com slash good morning Liberty for as little as five bucks a month. You guys can get the pre-show and the post-show live as well as our podcast live and interact with us. Send us, remind us. Of the pug's name in the movie, the campaign, like cupcake and muffins. You guys can remind us of those things that we forget while we're saying it, because I know when you listen to a podcast and the, the host tries to say something and forget what it was, you want to tell that person. Well, if you're listening live, you can tell us. Uh, I run into that issue, by the way, Nate, I don't know if you ever do. If I'm listening to somebody in another podcast and they're like, oh, what was the name of that? You know, I want to like jump through the podcast and tell them, well. You can do that if you watch us live, and that's you can do that by going to patreon.com/slash/goodmorningliberty and sign up for that five dollar a month tier, and that's what you get. It's a lot of cool stuff. I even think for the five dollar tier, you still get a merch discount, right,
0: Nate? You get a merch discount. You yeah. get a a weekly video blog, which I failed to do last week because it's our first week working from home, and it's it's really weird. So I got to get back on the back on the horse as far as as far as doing that. Maybe I'll mm-hmm. do one as soon as we get off this podcast.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, this, the last couple of weeks has been a little bit different with this whole pandemic going on, but, uh, we are doing our best as I'm sure you guys all know, uh, getting this stuff together for you, getting the live, you know, the live feed together for you as we work out how to do this over Skype and all of that. But for five bucks a month, you can see all this stuff take place. And I think it's really cool for you guys to do that. So patreon.com slash good morning Liberty. And then also the free ways that you guys can support us, which you guys are doing every single day. And we can't thank you enough for that is sharing the show with a friend, And keep bringing in new listeners because more people need to hear the message of liberty and how we can better prepare ourselves and take responsibility for ourselves. And that's how we actually move the liberty movement forward. You know, this whole last week, I was a little discouraged in some of my friends that I respect deeply, not understanding basic principles of economics. But what I am encouraged is by all of you who continue to tune in, who continue to share the show and help us build this liberty movement from the ground roots from from the (laughs) grassroots from the (laughs) (laughs) roots and if you if you guys share the show that would just mean the world to us so please share the show with a friend and then leave us a rating and review in the last month we've had several awesome reviews come in and we appreciate that from all of you so leave us a rating and review five stars because it's worth it if you guys do all of that every single bit of it we'll be back again tomorrow hope you guys have a good day and a good morning liberty